You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. We have Jared Korea here, who is a former practicing attorney who is not all about that life. For the past 15 years, he has been a business management consultant for law firms, working directly with attorneys and through bar association partners to help build more efficient and effective law practices. Recently, Jared launched a software company focused on delivering website chat and document assembly tools exclusively for lawyers. He's a regular speaker and author for bar associations, legal organizations, and legal tech vendors. He loves James Taylor and respects Ron Swanson. So. Jared, thank you for being here. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff, right? <laughs> oh, it's great. It's we great. just dropped a lot on people. <laughs> so, okay, in the marketing world, there's really, uh, especially on the agency side, there's these two schools. Of, there's this one school that's like, you got to double down and work with one vertical. You got to be really, 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 really good at working yeah. with, say, like zoos, right? Or really good at working with you know, dental practices. And then there's the other school that says, be good at everything. And you're going to learn from the dental practice, what you learn from the zoo, what you learn from the funeral home, and all of it's applicable. Tell me about your choice to become a consultant for one vertical and why you made that choice. Some might say I work with zoos, actually. I was working with these law firms. (laughs) (laughs) The management is not always top shelf, let me say. (laughs) I kind of fell into it, man, to be totally honest with you. like I was not sitting around as a six-year-old kid being like, you know what? I'd love to be a consultant for law firms didn't happen that way. So I went to law school after college because I had no idea what else to do. Like I was on the debate team in college and people were like, hey, you can talk, you can research, you can write, you should go to law school. And I'm like, sounds good to me. So I went to law school. But like a year in, I was like, wow, this is really boring. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, like this consulting gig sounds good because I could like tell other people what to do, like rather than being like the new associate at a firm. So I remember I I went to my career development office in law school and I was like, I think I want to be a consultant for law firms exclusively. doesn't seem like a lot of people out there doing that. And they were like, you should probably get a real job. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So I decided I wanted to work for law firms for a little while just to see what it was like and get some credibility. But what I had suspected of law firms was true, is that they only know how to practice law. And like anything beyond that in terms of business management is like a dumpster fire. So I'm sitting here as like a 25-year-old guy out of law school. And I'm like, I could probably run this firm better than these attorneys do. So I started focusing on that. I practiced for about four or five years just to get a sense of what it was like. And then I moved on and worked for a bar association. And then I actually kind of fell into this job with the state Supreme Court in Massachusetts. They developed like a free consulting program for attorneys. And I was like, this is amazing. I'll just go work there. That's exactly what I want to do. So I did that for about seven, eight years, got some credibility, started building a following nationally and internationally. And then I was getting people who were asking me like, hey, can you work with me? I'm not from Massachusetts. And I'm like, I'm leaving money on the table now. So that's when I started the consulting practice on my own around 2016. Then I started a software company. So I guess it's all gone to plan in some way, but I like built the plan as I went along, which is probably true of most people. So... and jumping forward, and I got to talk about this, Gideon Software, yeah. the chat software. Mm-hmm. Why chat? And again, for those that are listening that you know, go back as far as ICQ, MSN Messenger, you know, just even chat rooms, <laughs> tell me about 
the need that you're seeing with law firm sites wanting and needing chat. I used to be on AOL Messenger back in the day. I'm not too proud to say that. I remember the dial-off connection. <laughs> so we I should get say, that in here right now. The do do do. Yeah, if you, if you can feed that in and then yeah. post production, that'd be amazing. So I found that there are like two segments of running a law firm. So one is the productivity side. What do you do with your clients? How do you manage your staff? And then the other side is the lead intake piece. And if you look at the legal technology landscape, I mean, some of these companies are big and people like Clio is now a unicorn. Filevine is a big company. In my case, they all focus on like productivity case management. And it seems like people are like, oh, Clio was really successful. So let's build 800 of those products. But nobody's focused on lead management, really, for a law firm. There are tools out there, but they're not law firm specific. So you're starting to see that a little bit, but I think we're at like the very beginnings of that happening. The biggest need I saw was marketing software for attorneys. I mean, there's not even viable CRMs for law firms to choose from. Like, There's maybe one that's two that's focused on law firms specifically. And so I said to myself, like, that's a place where there's going to be a lot of traction coming up in the near term. Lawyers are going to start to figure this out. And then like after we launch the company, the pandemic happens. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, well, what do we do with all these leads? Like, we can't just bring people into the office and have them write us a check. Nobody wants to use our pens anymore. What do you do? So it was almost a perfect time to launch something that was like a virtual intake management component. And so the timing was great. But that's a need I saw several years ago. For me, it was just like the right time to actualize it, finding the right partner, figuring out the right way to make the idea happen. So it was just a need I saw. Like I saw two ways to manage a law firm, one of which was overcovered, one of which was entirely undercovered. So it was a market-based choice for me. Amazing. So, you know, we work with brands like Almond Milk, right? Or or a brand that sells t-shirts, right? But that chat makes sense to me. But then we have these law firms we work with and the chat is so embraced and so loved by you know potential clients and clients that are coming in. Why do you think that is? Like I have some anecdotal reasons, but I'm curious if you've ever dug in to say why do law firm chatbots or chat humans do so well? Yeah, chat humans, chatbots, it doesn't matter really. But like the notion is I think legal consumers and every consumer wants speed, really. And I mean there's some information to back that up, but anecdotally, you can see that. Like, you see that in your own personal life. Like, if I go to buy something and it's a hassle for me to buy it, or I got to take a third step, I'm out already. <laughs> like, I'm not even like a millennial, I'm old. And I go on a website and I'm like, where's the chat hook in? Like, I just want to get to somebody as quick as possible. And for legal consumers, I think the challenge is that. Buying legal services is not like buying a Disney Plus solution. So if I buy Disney Plus, not a solution, it's like a service, but you can tell I talk a lot about technology. If I buy Disney Plus, I'm paying like six bucks a month and I'm getting all the Disney content. Like that's easily understandable for me. I know what I get. I know what the value proposition is. I understand it intimately. If I'm a consumer who's going to buy legal services, like it's expensive, it's scary. I'm super stressed out. I think I'm in big trouble. Like that's what I get when I talk to a lawyer. So I want to get as much information about the legal process as possible. So if you've got a chat bot, a chat service, live chat, you can have a little bit of a give and take conversation about, hey, this is what you can expect. This is how we can help you. And then if you can throw on top of that appointment booking, 
then you're able to take the next step. And if you can stop the shop as a law firm, it's the same reason you would do it as any other business. But it's almost more imperative for law firms because a lot of people out there who are legal consumers don't have a real good notion of what law firms are selling. So if you get somebody to talk a little bit about what the process looks like, you're able to move forward a little bit. And you can do that immediately without waiting to talk to the lawyer because no lawyer wants to pick up the phone or send an email back to a prospective client. It's just an easy way to do that. And I mean, you know, statistically, we found that it's much more effective to allow consumers to enter a conversational interface, book an appointment. You're not going to guarantee that you'll convert them, but you'll get the first bite at the apple, which improves your chances. It's incredible. And we're seeing that people, you know, they don't want to phone during work hours or or late at night, you know, about a divorce lawyer. They don't want to, you know, fill out a contact form. But I feel like that chat is because I think it's a very personal, intimate thing they're asking for. And so they want a person on the other end or an interaction on the other end. Not to be able to look at it. You're not going to be in the office being like, well, not that anybody's in the office now much anymore, but it's happening again. You're not going to be like, hey, I got a DUI last night. I'm looking for an attorney. Like at the lunch break table, (laughs) you would much rather do that via chat. Divorce too, same type of thing. Yeah. And your chats, uh, humans or robots? Well, right now we're just bought, but we are building out in the back end right now a live chat hybrid tool. So the idea is the live chat stuff is expensive. It stays on. So for us, what we prefer to do is build out a hybrid model where you get somebody on your staff notified and they can jump in on a hot conversation based on a qualification. And you don't just have to staff it so that somebody like sits at the desk all day twiddling their thumbs right until the right lead comes in. So we're actively building that right now. We hope to have that hybrid live chat released in the near term, but right now just bots. But we'll get there. And the bots are sophisticated enough to say, hey, I actually want to book with you. It's in it books into their calendar tool. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So the way we've set it up is it's essentially a qualification tool. So let's say somebody needs an estate plan. And to do an estate plan, the attorney wants somebody to own their own home, live in a certain city, and have kids, let's say. So you answer questions, you click off those qualifications, and then if you do that, it'll produce a scheduling tool that you can access. So built into the chat, and it'll get granular enough that we can schedule that meeting with a particular attorney on the team or even a staff person to have an introductory meeting. So we found that if you build these scripts out and the logic behind it, and we built out some templates for people to use, it can get pretty sophisticated. And the idea is making it easy for the attorney, but also being able to deliver the consumer to the correct person as soon as possible. Because there's two sides to the coin. You know, I've worked with lawyers long enough. When I look at lawyers and they look at a solution, their idea is like, how can I make this as easy as possible for me? But you got to make it easy for the consumer too. And we've tried to blend both those things, which is not necessarily easy to do. Yeah. And we work with, you know, called receptionist office manager yeah. who yeah. receives those chat inquiries. And we're working with a company now that's a human, humans on the other mm-hmm. end. The only thing we're getting is collect the email address, get a phone number, email address, phone number. But then we say Monday morning, the office manager comes in and they've got a load of chat inquiries that they then <laughs> right. have to, you know, hand off to the various lawyers in the firm or yeah. respond to. So it's, and- it's way more work than what you're well, we so tried to cut that portion off because the receptionist at the firm, right? Like, are they going to get to that right away? Are they going to have coffee first? Are they going to get caught up talking to somebody? Are they going to have lunch first? Like, when do they actually get back to those leads? Yeah, Law firms are actually really bad at getting back to leads. So we found that, like, if you could qualify a client so you know you're talking to somebody who's a legitimate lead for you and then just have them book the appointment, like, they're not going to call anybody else. But if they leave a message on a Saturday, like, 
What's to say that they're not going to call five other law firms and try to book an appointment? It's like first to the appointment is what I've seen because yeah. lawyers are really good at selling in a virtual or in-person meeting, but they got to get to it first. Yeah. So this is designed for professional services. So I think everyone's you know listening right now thinking, is this design yet? Have you white labeled it yet for agencies and marketing firms? <laughs> That's in the development pathway as well. That's something we okay. want to do. No, that we're, makes we're so working, much sense. We're working with a bunch of digital marketing agencies right now, but basically like it's a referral deal, yeah. Yeah. which is a little less than a white label. But we haven't had a ton of requests for white labels, but it's something we want to build out for sure. No, it makes so much sense. Because I think even us, the tool we've been using for law firms, we're using these humans, but like it would be so nice if they learned how to pre-qualify them before they came in, because now we have to manually qualify them. It's so hard, yeah, because law firms are not necessarily thinking of this. Like When I talk to law firms about intake, they're disgusted with me after about 10 minutes because I get really granular on this stuff. I'm like, where do your leads come from? Like, oh, phone calls and websites. I'm like, you got any landing pages? And they're like, oh yeah, we have those. Anybody message you on social media? Oh yeah, from time to time. And then you go through it and there ends up being like eight different lead sources. And you got to classify all of those leads. You got to put them into the right system. You've got to be able to automate the follow-up to those leads. And they're just not even thinking of that. Like some of the stats for law firms are crazy. Like a third of the time they're picking up the phone. The other two thirds they're not. They don't wow. respond to 64% of their voicemails. It takes an average of like eight emails to schedule an appointment with a law firm. Like this all goes against, cuts against like the modern consumer and the demand economy. And lawyers wow. are just not focused on it. So lawyers that get a Calendly, the Calendly little tool, as maybe some people find them annoying or as some people love them, that's a huge advantage, a huge step right there. Yeah, even if you didn't have a chat tool, even if you just put Calendly in your email, so yeah. people could book an appointment with you or even not your email, but like your admin person's email yeah. who can book for your schedule. Yeah, that's a huge win for lawyers. And lawyers are not super innovative when it comes to tech. So if you're like 1% more innovative than the next lawyer, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. Now, another topic here, podcasts. You have a podcast, <laughs> you host, tell me about it and tell me about the ecosystem, which I think is so cool. Yeah. You're not just podcasts of one show, but you're part of this family of shows. Tell me about that world. So I do legal specific podcasts as well, probably not surprisingly. I'm with a company called Legal Talk Network, which has been around since, gosh, I want to say like 2008. I started nice. with them in 2009. So wow. I, was, I was podcast in 2009. And like the biggest question I got starting out then, people were like, what's a podcast? And this company has been acquired a couple of times since then, but I've always had the same show. I kind of fell into that too, to be honest with you. Like, I'm happy to experiment, happy to try new media. So when somebody was like, do you want to do a podcast? I knew what a podcast was. I didn't know they would become as popular as they have. But I'm like, sure, why not? I'll try it, see how it goes. But I mean, you probably see the same thing. Like, it's just really interesting to talk to different people about their experiences. And even in a niche like law, it's just super interesting to talk about what lawyers are doing, what legal tech providers are doing. And so I was lucky enough to latch on to this network. I think Legal Talk Network is the only like legal specific podcasting network. So there's like, I want to say maybe like 30 shows. Wow. All of them are legal focused. And I had one of the first. And, but there's a lot of them that three or four that have been around since the inception. 
including mine. And so this has been like a long slog, but they did a really nice job building out that network and we can swap guests back and forth. So it's a really helpful thing to be on a network. And I tell people all the time, like if you can get involved in a podcast network of some kind, it's super useful because you're going to have somebody else marketing. You're going to have cross-promotional opportunities, which you're not going to have if you just decide to launch your own podcast. And I've done both. Like I have another podcast with a company called Above the Law. We do a legal tech podcast that comes out weekly. It's a little bit of a shorter form podcast, more traditional. But I found that being part of the network has been really helpful. And the thing for me is like, I like to tell people like I'm the talent, right? So I have a producer, I have an engineer, I have a scheduling person. Let me tell you, that's very helpful. That is <laughs> amazing. Just, yeah, we just generate enough sponsorships to keep those people working. And they do a great job in terms of editing the show and I can bounce ideas off of them. Like having a producer is really helpful just to say, we rebooted the show last year and we decided that it wasn't going to be an interview show. We wanted to do essentially what was a late night talk show version of a podcast. And I probably wouldn't have been able to pull that off as effectively if I didn't have a really engaged producer on the show. So they do an awesome job. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And when you say network, those that are maybe newer to the podcast world, like you can listen to a show on Apple or Spotify or wherever. But does it mean that, you know, it's the logo that's in the corner? It means that, that you'll promote each other's shows on your show. Yeah, pretty much. And some of it's formal, some of it's a little bit more informal. But yeah, the idea is that like there's a logoed network. There are certain podcasts that are part of it. They promote each other. They have the same engineers, the same producers. So there's a consistency of sound, a consistency of message. And then everybody gets into those marketing pipelines and then you experiment from time to time. So really, the way I look at it is like, I literally just come on and talk. 
And then there's this whole operational mechanism on the back end that is pushing out the content. They have a marketing plan. I'm marketing alongside other hosts. Sometimes they'll tell me, hey, you're going to guest host on this show. Somebody else is going to guest host on your show. And having that kind of support is essential, I think, at least as far as I'm concerned, especially if you've never done a podcast before. Like I've seen them on board a lot of people who have never even tried doing a show before. And if you listen to what they produce versus what you would get if you tried to do it on your own, it's like night and day. I'm not saying that people shouldn't go out there and start their own podcast, but like having the network in place, if you can get to that point, is just going to give you a massive push over other people who do this. I I saw this ad campaign from a a podcast production Mm -hmm. studio who teamed up with a few others saying, you know, a campaign against bad audio. And and they're trying to say, (laughs) stop producing shows with bad audio. And then there's these great memes that are like, you know, well, it's all about the content, not about the audio quality. But if you intimately have someone in your ear, your earbuds or whatever ear form you have or playing off your you know thing at home you want it to be good you don't want the crackle snap and pop right you want that i'm so ensconced in the audio at this point it's almost embarrassing like i have the microphone on like regular meetings and people always make fun of me they're like oh what's with the microphone and then almost always within 10 minutes of meeting people are like but you sound damn good and i'm like that's the point (laughs) yeah so i bring i bring this mic with me everywhere it's fantastic that is awesome. Have you uh, you seen that stat? I think it was Apple put it out recently where it's almost 46% of podcasts in the Apple podcast world have one episode only. Yeah, I, I didn't see that stat, but I could totally see that being the case. It's the, was it, the, the good intentions. They start a show, but it's like going to the gym in January. I'm going to go, I got a, you know, I got a membership. I'm going to go every week, every day. And you go once and you're like, oh man. And it was such an epic experience that you're like, oh, I'll think about going back later. <laughs> you're like leg day was amazing, but I don't think I can do it again. I think that like, that's true of every marketing campaign I've ever seen a business run, law firm or otherwise. Like, some people are just willing to stick it out and stay with it and some people are not. And same thing with like posting on social media. Like how many people are lurkers on LinkedIn, for example? And how many people actually post things? Like folks don't realize that if you're just consistent, even if you're the most boring person in the world, if you're just consistent, you have a built-in audience and you just got to push your stuff out there. Same thing with podcasts, same thing with anything else. So yeah, I think for a lot of people, it's like getting that second episode under their belt you just start getting a rhythm and you make it a habit. Oh. You're so, not going to get like thousands of listeners right away, but that's no. okay. No, and and the show, you know, you're going to find those niche audiences that love what you're talking about, how you talk about it, right. the guests you have on. You may, you know, your show may blow up with that one episode because you got on X guests who ends up being really popular. And they might not even be popular now. They're popular a year from now, but then people discovered that guest on your show. Yeah, the internet's a weird place. Like if yeah. you want to do a podcast on Scrimshaw, I bet there are people who would listen to it. So there's almost no niche area that you couldn't do a show yeah. on that people would ignore. There's it's like somebody Reddit. out there. There's a, yeah, there's exactly. There's a subreddit for everything, right? <laughs> Knitting. podcast for everything. There's a subreddit for everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's wild. Well, it's almost like uh, if you think about suits, right? We were talking about that. Yeah. You know, they had a, a great star on the show, Meghan Markle, who, you know, they didn't know that she was going to go on to become this princess and then right you know leave the princess world and become this well-known figure and name but you know i'm sure they got a lot of people following suits and watching suits post you know engagement and marriage yeah i don't think anybody saw that coming but uh i mean boon for suits 
spoon for Meghan Markle, probably ultimately, Prince Harry. Like, I, I think, yeah, it's interesting. You never know which way something's going to go. And when I talk to a lot of attorneys about this, like, their biggest issue is getting started. They don't want to put their voice out there. They don't want to put their face out there. But when you tell a story like that, what that means is that, like, you never know the direction that something's going to take, but you're never going to get anywhere unless you give yourself a chance to do something. So, say, Meghan Markle, for example, she gets on suits. She does not know when she's trying to get cast for suits that she's going to end up marrying into the royal family for good or bad, right? She doesn't know that. And when you start a podcast, like, you don't know where that's going to lead either. And I think that's the cool part of running a business. Like, I find that lawyers are very risk averse. They're not very experimental, but trying different things, the results you're never going to know unless you put yourself out there. That's like a big challenge for business owners, I think. Yeah. No, 100%. I remember we had a, a guest on who was a, you know, data, you know, in a sense, projectionist, right? She, her job was to look at the data at Lululemon, this Vancouver-based yoga wear brand. And, oh, man. And, who hasn't heard of Lululemon? I've even heard you know, of Lululemon. I haven't been to the gym in like years. I've heard of Lululemon. So, random fact. So, okay, most people don't know this, but before Chip Wilson created Lululemon, my favorite clothing brand was called West Beach, which was oh, these three surfers on a shirt. And, and that he created it. And that's what made him big. And he's like, I, I know all about fashion and clothing. And, he, and it was really big, especially in Western Canada. And then, it, yeah, I don't know what happened to it. It shut down and then Lulu was his next thing. So I continue to this day, love wearing West Beach, but I, I can't find it anywhere. So, but all I say, we had this data scientist on the show and she gave these incredible kind of nuggets and this great information. And then again, we show went on and we had other guests and, you know, have known entities and authors like Seth Godin and Guy Kawasaki. But then that episode continues to be one of the most shared, listened to shows, I think because of what the answers she had and the content she had was so thick and meaty, mm. and yeah. is that it continues to be something that if you can find the right niche content pieces, it does well. And I imagine on your show, have you had that show that you were surprised that just kind of took off or the show oh, that you a, were like... I got a good show for you. You remember The Goonies, the movie yeah. from the 80s? Oh, yeah. yeah. So the guy who played Chunk in The Goonies. Yes is now a lawyer in Beverly Hills. His name is Jeff Cohen. Really great guy. He was absolutely hilarious in this podcast episode. Like I was asking him like what happened with his career and stuff like that. How did he move from a child actor to like an adult actor? And he was basically like, I wasn't a fat kid anymore, so no one wanted to hire me. I was supposed to be like the funny fat kid. Yeah. And I was like casted, right? Yeah. that, That guy. Yeah. I was like, what was your favorite part of like acting in Goonies? And he was like the craft table. Like he was great. He was like the funniest dude you could ever imagine. And we didn't necessarily talk about legal stuff. We talked a little bit about it, but it was more about his personality and how he moved from being an actor to an attorney. And that is like one of our most downloaded episodes even now. And to be perfectly honest with you, that was kind of the pitch I made when I was talking to the network about, look, let's do a late night TV show because... The idea is that lawyers are just not interested in the law. And this is true of any professional. They have wider interests than that. Yeah. So yeah, they probably all watch the Goonies. So yeah. having somebody on from the Goonies, like that's a win for us. And so we leaned into that. But that was one of our most popular episodes. He was fantastic. So it's just like anything else. Like if you look at all these TV shows and pop culture icons, like it's all about the story. So if you've got a good story behind something, Like, that's the key. And so that's what we're driving for now. But yeah, he was great. And that was one of my favorite episodes we ever did. It's amazing. We'll make sure we put a link to that in the show notes. Because I want to listen to it. Yeah, that sounds amazing. It's a good one. (laughs) 
So question for you as a consultant. So in a world of, you know, when we work with clients, we work on brands, our worlds merge. Marketers and agencies, you know, we end up at the table together or you bring in marketers, you bring in agencies, you bring in folks. Yes. So tell me what someone can do to be a really successful marketing partner and what can they do where it can break down and those that are listening can know how they can adjust. I don't know that anybody's asked me that question before. That's a really great question. So I make it very clear in the consulting work that I do that I don't know everything. Like I've got this Socratic model working where it's like, I do this, but if you want these other 18 things, there are other people that do it. So I bring markers into design campaigns, do brand consulting, build websites, do SEO, all that stuff. I'm happy to do that. So for me, like, so with a niche consulting practice like mine, there are some marketing agencies out there that are niched and legal, but there are a lot who aren't. So for me, it's about like intellectual curiosity more than anything else. So if I'm going to work with a marketing agency that hasn't worked with a law firm before, I want them to be asking questions at a granular level about how law firms work. Like that's helpful to me. That's going to get buy-in from the attorneys as well. Responsiveness is another key thing for me as well. And then, you know, Law firms especially, and I think there's a lot of business owners like this, they're not super tech savvy, so they need some amount of hand-holding. So my expectation is that there's some hand-holding in place to say, okay, like we'll help you set this up. We'll help you figure this part of it out. We know that this is not your specialty. Your specialty is practicing law, so we're here to assist. Like Those are three components I look for in marketing partners. And then where I've seen things break down, it can be the opposite of that, like not enough communication not enough handholding. I get a lot of lawyers who are like, this didn't work. And the reason it didn't work is not because it wasn't eventually going to work, but they didn't make enough of an effort to kind of push that lawyer to building something up, the marketing partner I'm talking about. So what's the homework they have to do? How do they keep them accountable? They need somebody to push them, that kind of thing. And that's contact, that's staying on top of things, that's helping them to figure out parts of this that they don't understand. And then I think there's an educational component too. So part of it is instructing law firms on how marketing works because they don't know. Like they don't know what backlinks are. They functionally don't even know what SEO, SEM means. They have a hard time with anything beyond the website as a online business card. So if you can get beyond that and start to drill down into, we'll set up a landing page for you. That's what this will do. We're going to build out a Google screened profile for you. That's what this will do. Like that educational component is really important too. That's not just staying on top of contact, but that's also taking the time to go over something with somebody, teach them how it works, and then build out from there. The marketing companies I like, a lot of them will have white papers focused on law firms specifically. Like I was just talking to somebody the other day who put out like a really great article on Google Screen for lawyers. And so for me as a consultant, I can say, hey, check out this article from these guys. And if you ever have a point in time where you need somebody to build that out for you and maybe do some more, maybe this is a good starting point because they're clearly focused on lawyers. They know what they want to do. But if I don't have that kind of ammo, it's hard to make the sale. Like If I'm consulting with a firm, I'm already embedded to the point that they're going to trust most of what I say. And I want to be able to lead them to more fruitful relationships. But if I don't have the ability to seed that relationship, to kind of lay the carpet down before they walk over it, like it's a non-starter for me. Yeah, no, that's some great advice. And where do you end up finding these folks? Is it like 
conferences, Google, like where, where have you uh, discovered? It used to be conferences, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm doing my first in-person conference in 16 months next week. Oh, wow. They told Amazing. me to bring a flask. So I think it might be that kind of conference. Um, <laughs> I meet a lot of people at conferences. I meet a lot of people online. I almost never Google. I prefer to meet people in circles in which I have other contacts, right? So if I meet somebody on LinkedIn and they're like a second degree connection to somebody I really trust or something like that, that's a good starting point for me. Especially if they're like a Nigerian prince and they have an inheritance. Yeah, come on Nigerian princes with inheritances. I will take those on. So yeah, social media, conferences, and just recommendations from other people I know. Like I think when you're in a space for a long enough time, like we talked about niching down before, right? If you niche down into a certain area, like I know all the other legal consultants. I know most of the people who work with law firms, not all, but most. And it's a relatively small community of people who are completely embedded in that. So it's easy for me to find people. I never have to Google. Like people are reaching out to me. On occasion, I'll reach out to other people if I find something they did to be cool. You know, Um, I thought your podcast was great. That's one of the reasons we started talking. But I think that kind of happens naturally. So I think if you let it come to you after a while, once you've built up a big enough network, it's great. But the other piece of this too, to track back to what we were talking about before, if I'm somebody who's willing to put myself out there as somebody who works with law firms exclusively, I'm willing to talk about issues related to that. I do podcasts, I do blog posts, I write articles. Like it's easy to get found. Like if I'm somebody who put out one podcast episode and then was like, eh, you know what? Never mind. I'm not going to do this again. Like I probably meet 20% fewer people than I do right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I think the publishing side, how do you balance that? And, and that's the question I think most people mm-hmm. in that role, consultant role, marketing director role, they're trying to get their name out there. Because you know, it, it's one thing to also easily self-publish on your own blog because you don't have to worry about the quality and yeah. no one's going to like vet it or edit it. But how do you get the discipline of writing for others and the fruit of that? Oh, it's hard. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Like, it's a lot of discipline, to be perfectly honest with you. I kind of lay out this vibe that I'm just like hanging out and stuff like that. But I do do work from time to time. Um, I schedule everything. So okay. when I'm posting stuff on social media, for example, yeah. I schedule that on like a Sunday night for the most part. Okay. And yeah. I've got all that stuff ready to roll. Yeah. So it's when I'm at a conference, somebody's like, oh, you just tweeted something like, as we were talking, how did you do that? I'm like, I'm scheduled it on the weekend. Writing is the same thing. So I put a game plan together like every Sunday night for the week. And I know I have like, okay, I've got three presentations. I've got two podcasts. I've got this conference that I need to go to. These are the collateral items that I need to develop for that. And then I just slot it in throughout the course of the week. That's a little bit different. Like since the pandemic has been going on, like my kids have been remote schooling. So I used to wake up at probably six, get everybody out the door and then have some time to work for myself. Now I don't have time to work for myself anymore. So yeah. I've been waking up at like 4 a.m. And I'm yeah. like, okay, I got three hours. Yeah. If I want to work out and be ready for breakfast when the kids come down, I yeah. need to have this like 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. block to crank yeah. out as much as I can. And then I look at my list and I say, okay, I've got two podcasts tomorrow. I've got a presentation. So I need to put together a PowerPoint and a couple scripts. I just knock it out before I do anything else. And then the rest of the day is like meetings, catch up, email kind of thing. It just becomes easy. So I'm a big believer in like managing time effectively and blocking time. And I found it to be really effective for me. And I will tell you that most of the attorneys I work with who are at a high level, they're doing the same thing. Like they know they have certain buckets of time. And if you get into this groove of just working until you're done, 
that's the kind of situation where you're going to end up staying up until like 2 a.m. every night, waking up at 7, being miserable every day. But if you block your time, you can manage a pretty aggressive publication and writing schedule without having it destroy the rest of your day. Yeah, that's great. It's almost like that time in the calendar. And and we're in a Tetris time of life where people are trying to put more blocks in and colorful blocks. That's your writing meeting. You know, you're meeting with Mr. Penn or Mrs. (laughs) Microsoft Word. Yeah, I'm putting together some articles or I'm writing while I'm watching Marketing Jam on Amazon Prime. That's just what I do. Yeah, that's just what you do. It's just what you do. It's what you do. Jared, where can people find you if they want to follow you and listen to you and track oh, what yeah. you're up to? A lot of places, but you can start with my website, which is redcavelegal.com. I've got a media a media link on there, so you can look at like the podcast and the attorney work articles, all this stuff's available there. And then for the software company, it's gideon.legal. Perfect. You can check out the product there. So not everyone's read Plato, but Red Cave. Sadly. Maybe give us the Coles notes of why Red Cave. I want to end on that because that's an, a great story. Clearly, I went to a liberal arts school, right? Yeah. Um, so Plato's Allegory of the Cave. You've got these people in a cave and they think they're seeing real images. But what they're actually seeing is shadows of images. So people are walking around in front of a fire with like cardboard cutouts, essentially. And they see the shadows on the wall, the cardboard cutouts, and they think that's reality. So Plato uses that to say, okay, like most people are separated from what is actually real in the world. And they're separated by at least a few degrees. There's cardboard cutouts, there's shadows, there's this whole other life outside the cave. And when you walk outside the cave, you can see things for what they really are. So when I started the consulting company, I was like, I want a color in the name. Like I think colors are cool. Red is like a really strong color. So I said, what would it look like if you had like walked out of Plato's cave, seen all this stuff that you thought was fake, but is actually real life, and then look back at the cave? It'd be kind of like this burning cave. Like it would look like fire was in the cave mouth. It'd be a really cool scene. So I decided to go with Red Cave Law Firm Consulting. And then I put together a logo that was like a flaming mouth of a cave. And I just thought it looked really cool. I'm super into logos. I love old sports logos. I love business logos. It's a thing. I will, I'm the guy who draws logos for new companies on napkins when I'm at lunch with my kids and they find it super obnoxious. But that's what I went with for the consulting company logo. I think it looks great. Like I'm super biased, of course, but that was the thought process that went into it. Oh, that's awesome. All that humanities education, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When it's a very good use, very good use. It's brilliant. Jared, thank you for being here. It's so nice to have you on the show. Same. Thank you. This is awesome. Very glad to have done this. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll put links to the other tools that we talked about as well. The chat tool, other podcast episodes where you can learn about how Chunk from Goonies became a lawyer. So (laughs) thank you for joining us this week on Marketing News Canada. And we'll see you next time on the show. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, 
engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 